0: This is The Prevention Podcast, with former intelligence officer and author, Dan Verton. Sponsored by LiveSafe, the leading risk intelligence communications platform that surfaces early warning insights and prevents serious safety and security incidents to mitigate operational risks, reduce financial losses, and make places
1: safer for people to work, learn, and live. The message that's been communicated to teachers is that they will not receive support school or district leadership if they choose to strictly enforce social distancing or wearing masks in their classroom. And then of course we're all concerned
0: about what happens in the community when we experience the loss of someone in either our, our, our teaching staff or our families and students and what does that do next and how do we move on from there.
2: Welcome to a special edition of the Prevention Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Dan Verton. Despite the surge in new COVID-19 cases in more than half the country, K-12 schools from coast to coast are planning to welcome students and teachers back to the classroom. Although many are planning a mix of distance learning and in-person instruction, supported by prevention measures like social distancing, mandatory face coverings, and health survey apps, Most teachers and staff members feel overwhelmed by the risk management challenge that COVID-19 presents. One of the school systems that is working through this debate and planning process is right here in LiveSafe's own backyard. The Fairfax County Public School System in Northern Virginia is the 10th largest school system in the country, with 188,000 students spread across 198 schools. It's also the third largest employer in the Commonwealth with more than 24,000 full-time employees. Teachers and staff members are rightfully concerned. There have been more than 14,000 confirmed cases of COVID-19, 1,700 hospitalizations, and 511 deaths in Fairfax County, with 30 new cases reported just this morning. The fatality rate of 3.5% in the county is higher than the entire state of Virginia. Joining me to discuss the risks involved in a return to in-person instruction for K-12 schools is Kimberly Adams, President of the Fairfax Education Association, and Becca Ferrick, the President of the Association of Fairfax Professional Educators. These organizations represent thousands of Fairfax County public school employees, including teachers, instructional assistants, custodians, administrative assistants, cafeteria workers, and bus drivers. Kimberly and Becca, welcome to the Prevention Podcast.
1: Thanks, Dan. Glad to be here. Thanks so much for having me.
2: Before we get started, I want everybody to know that in addition to hosting this program and having spent the better part of the last 25 years working in homeland security and risk management, I'm also coming at this particular program as a parent of a child who attends Fairfax County Public Schools. So I not only have a professional interest in this situation, but I have a deeply personal interest in helping our school officials make the right decisions for all of us. So, that said, you heard the latest data about COVID-19 cases, hospitalizations, and fatalities in Fairfax County. Still, the plan is to bring about 40-45% to 45% of the student body back to school, with the rest selecting online instruction. I'm going to be the first to acknowledge that even with all of the guidelines, health survey apps and all of the physical protections being put in place, this is a risk management challenge like I've never seen before. What do you think about the plan to bring back kids to school in a few weeks? Becca, let's start with you.
1: Um, our position is that many FCPS employees don't have enough information or assurances at this point to feel comfortable accepting the risk that is involved with returning to -to face-to-face instruction. And FCPS doesn't have that information to give because no one has it. What we know about COVID changes every day. In fact, the more we know, it seems like the more we don't know. And because of that, what we know about best practices and safety precautions changes every day as well. The most recent example I can think of is the, the new discrepancy between social distancing recommendations. And even though we know that masks work, this current plan to return to school includes some exceptions um and also provides no system or policy for enforcing it.
2: Kimberly, what do you think about the plan to bring back kids to school in a few weeks?
1: You know, we're definitely concerned
0: that uh, things just ready. We haven't seen a more fleshed out plan yet. Uh, we certainly expected at this point that we would have more weigh in from the Fairfax County Health Department on what's been planned so far. We certainly had hoped that at this point we would have some of these answers to questions such as how many students will be in a virtual classroom, how many students will be in an in-person classroom, um, and what the bell schedule will look like and how many teachers um, will be given the request for virtual teaching versus how many will be uh, basically forced to come back in to uh, teach in person, even if it's not optimal for them and their families.
2: Why do you think a delayed option, a third option, if you will, that started the year online and returned kids to school after the winter break, and as only as long as the health data showed it could be done safely, was never put on the table by the superintendent? Would you have supported that, Kimberly?
0: We absolutely would support a plan like like that and we actually have continued to push for a plan that would do just that. Um, we're very concerned with the data right now about what the next spike might look like for this uh, virus, especially given that we are now in phase three. Um, many folks have spent a lot of time uh, traveling outside of Fairfax, um, many people going to locations like the beach and even folks inside their own area not wearing masks and interacting with uh, friends and neighbors and traveling to venues like bars and restaurants. So we certainly are concerned. We know that we're getting closer to the point where movie theaters and other venues are scheduled to open in Fairfax County and that just raises the alert bells for me that more folks are going to be entering our system either having COVID and not knowing it, so not presenting any symptoms that anyone's aware of, or having COVID and covering it up because oftentimes parents don't have a choice but to send their children to school. So we certainly think that for the safety of our employees, for the safety of the children, for the safety of our families and our entire community, opening up our schools and having a high capacity, high touch, uh, continued uh, in-person instructional time is, possibly the most dangerous thing we can do right now.
2: Becca, how about the AFP? Would would you have supported a delay?
1: I support any return to face-to-face instruction that will start later than we currently have it planned. Um, I think the more time we have, the better in terms of figuring out what's going on, how this disease works, what treatments are optimal, Um, and whether or not we'll have a vaccine that may be available to us. I know that that was not presented as an option, I think, because of economic pressure. I I do wish they had not put the horse before the cart um, and, and kind of taken a moment to consider what teachers and staff would be available in a face-to-face environment, and then fill those available slots with the children who need it most, prioritizing kids with special needs, the very young children, um, just like you were talking about.
2: I want to ask you both about the challenge of social distancing in the K-12 environment. There's been a lot of misinformation being spread about the guidelines and what actually is safe. For example, your superintendent recently asked the county health department during a school board meeting For approval to use three feet as the guideline for in class social distancing instead of the widely accepted guideline of six feet. The county has basically given him a pass on that, even though the three feet guidance is based on passing references to a World Health Organization study. Three feet is not currently the published guidance of the CDC or the Fairfax County Health Department. I just want to be clear on this. The CDC and the Fairfax County Health Department still maintain six feet whenever possible. So this push to allow three feet for six hours and 45 minutes per day, I think, is very troubling. Based on your experience in the K-12 environment, even with with less than half of the students returning, how easy do you think it will be for teachers and staff to enforce social distancing and other protocols like face coverings? Becca, let's start with you.
1: It will be extremely difficult to enforce social distancing, definitely social distancing of six feet. And I would I would say that even three feet is going to be hard to maintain. The problem is that at the moment there are really no guidelines for adhering to safety precautions in our SR and R document. That's the the student rights and responsibilities document that guides behavior, and discipline. So the message that's been communicated to teachers is that they will not receive support from school or district leadership if they choose to strictly enforce social distancing or wearing masks in their classrooms. And I am not convinced that the three-foot social distancing measure, with exceptions to the mask-wearing protocol, is acceptable.
2: Kimberly, what are your thoughts on enforcing social distancing?
1: We're definitely concerned about
0: this change in rhetoric from six foot social distancing down to three foot social distancing. Our um, our proposal is that it would be maintained at six feet whenever possible, and that masks would be required at all times. I think what we're hearing now is this potential that if you are under six feet, that a mask would be required. We still believe that six feet with a mask is the standard. Um, including the CDC guideline uh, for that, you know, protocol, and we're seriously concerned about what that's going to mean for our buses. Um, The original CDC guidance showed that we would fill our buses at a capacity of one student per every other seat. We have seen guidance now in Fairfax County that shows that our buses would be one student per every seat. Um, Masks would be required on the buses, but students would not have any uh, temperature taken prior to getting on the bus. We're relying on families on the honor system is a word that's been used to fill out the daily health check and notify the school if their student does not meet all the criteria to attend school that day. That is a problem as well and another protocol that we're not seeing guidance on that's being kept to a standard or a minimum. Um, We've actually heard administrators now telling uh, our employees at different uh, meetings of their staff that they will accept students without masks into the school building, and they will allow less than three feet, less than six feet, pardon me, of social distance um, in a classroom. We are very concerned that that does not protect the students, but certainly does not protect the adults in those classrooms.
2: To my knowledge, there are also plans for self-attestation of symptoms or illness, which we at LiveSafe wholeheartedly support because we have years of data that show community participation in safety and security works. Most people, they want to do the right thing. But the latest mention of self-attestation each morning throughout Fairfax County will apparently involve some sort of handwritten form or, or even a lanyard maybe worn by the student. If schools are going to do self-attestation, wouldn't you like to see school districts use proven technologies that can be accessed from a mobile phone and ensure that the data collected from the reporting can be shared easily with the county health department? I mean, we're doing this with Fortune 500 companies. Why shouldn't the school districts that are responsible for protecting our children do the same thing? Becca, let's start with you.
1: Uh, I absolutely would like to see that. Um Relying on self-monitoring and the honor system is nowhere near adequate if health and safety are are truly a top priority. We already know that oftentimes, even when parents and community members want to do the right thing, they feel that they can't do the right thing in terms of sending sick children to school. Um, I'm seeing several different kinds of proven technology, the kind that you're referring to, um, being installed at... Fortune 500 companies, for example, and I think schools are in need of the same technology, but we we don't have the money to do that. Public education has never been considered a critical infrastructure sector, so it hasn't been funded as one, and I don't think there are enough box tops for education to cover the costs. Um, The fact
0: that the superintendent has recently said that if a student shows up to school without a mask that they will be one of the people that they will require a temperature check of. So that if you're wearing a mask, they're not necessarily requiring that your temperature is taken when you enter the building. Um, They're basically assuming that if the parent has attested to you being healthy, put a mask on their child and sent them to school, that they should be fine to enter the building, go about their day, have lunch without their mask, um, go about other activities, and potentially be within three feet of another student or teacher and then uh, be able to go back home and potentially bring whatever they've picked up from school back with them. So we are concerned about the honor system around these checks, and and certainly if there are technologies out there that can help this to happen, we would be interested in helping the district to explore that.
2: So this is a question for both of you. Obviously, the unfortunate reality is there's going to be additional spread of COVID-19 in Fairfax County schools. What happens when that becomes evident? Becca?
1: Oh, I think think the best we can hope for is vigilance and swift action, Uh, but I think that's going to be really difficult to achieve, given what we know about pre-symptomatic and asymptomatic transmission, as well as the lag time in receiving test results.
2: Kimberly, what do you think when the first indication arises that COVID-19 is on the climb in Fairfax County?
0: Yeah, we're wondering ourselves what the um, considerable viral load will be for a classroom to be suspended and and quarantined, what that load is for a school to be suspended and quarantined, what does it take for the district as far as community spread before the whole district is in a virtual learning situation. Uh, We do believe that you are correct, the spread is probably inevitable. Um, We've got a situation on our hands where You know, we will know in the next few weeks, uh, according to experts that we've consulted, that the data shows that we are about three weeks behind in the timeline. And so as those numbers start to rise right now, we're probably at the beginning of what is likely to become a spike.
2: Becca, what happens when the first teacher or staff member becomes critically ill? What can teachers do at that point? I mean, can they hold somebody accountable?
1: At this point, I I really have no idea. FCPS is leaning on the Fairfax County Health Department um, for protocols, and they have not shared any information at all about what that response might look like. The most we know is that teachers will be given access to two weeks of additional COVID-related sick leave, but after that, the time and money is going to come out of their own pockets. Um, And in terms of dealing with disability and death, we're asking the same questions about who might be held accountable and how.
2: Kimberly, what happens when the first teacher or staff member becomes critically ill?
0: We know that um, there isn't a legal recourse right now that we're aware of as far as being able to prove that you contracted COVID from school. Um, One of the things we've actually um, tried to suggest is that everyone should have a baseline test to know that when you start working for FCPS or start attending school with FCPS, that we know whether you currently have COVID or not um, as a baseline. We don't know what happens when we find out the first staff member who becomes ill, whether they um, are even using their own leave. Once they, let's say, exhaust the federal leave policy for having COVID, um, how are they using leave after that? Because we know for some folks, this is a more than a two week uh, recovery period. And then what happens to that classroom Where are they placed in that time being? How are substitute teachers being employed? How are substitute teachers being trained in the correct protocols that all teachers will have for this viral uh, handling? And then of course, we're all concerned about what happens in the community when we experience the loss of someone in either our, our, our teaching staff or our families and students. And what does that do next? And how do we move on from there?
2: My guests have been Kimberly Adams, president of the Fairfax Education Association in Fairfax, Virginia, and Becca Ferrick, president of the Association of Fairfax Professional Educators. Kimberly, Becca, thank you very much for speaking with us at the Prevention Podcast.
0: Absolutely. I've truly enjoyed it. Thank you very much.
1: Thanks so much, Dan. The Prevention Podcast airs every other Tuesday at noon Eastern time. Available wherever you get your podcasts. You can sign up for our newsletter at livesafemobile.com and follow us on Twitter at Livesafe.